Hello and welcome back to the What The Fork crew review, which is a lovely little rhyme, which I quite liked actually when I was writing it down. Um, it was ugly, and no, I don't mean our guests, but ultimately a win is a win and six points from six this week sounds very nice. There's a fair one to get to. Um, the season's reaching the business end and to chat us through the weekend win for Sunderland, there's two returning guests and potentially a debutant. I don't know, we might do. I'll give it as a surprise unless that person does not turn up and therefore you will never know. If they do turn up, you will. But first and foremost, Brad Sharp. Brad, how are you doing? You all right? Yeah, not so bad, Graham. Thanks, mate. Um, nice coming on. Uh, it feels like fucking ages since we last came on happy after a couple of wins, wasn't it? But yeah, I mean, we'll we'll dissect this. I'm not happy with the performances still, but wins a win over the moon. Can't can't complain, especially at this point of the season where you always say it doesn't matter how you win as long as you get the points. Nah. So yeah, they've not ruined my weekend for the first time in 2020. Starting it to start 22, 22. 20, I, I don't know. I don't count the years anymore. Stop counting. And second of all, of course, as always, Dave Lawrence. Dave, um, you've got the Rona. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad. Feel as though that uh, bus is hopefully starting to pull off my chest a little bit. But, uh, yeah, keeps reversing backwards and forwards. But, yeah, not bad. Uh, f- football was uh, turgid, but we got a win, like Brad says. So that's a good thing. And, uh, yeah, always, uh, always good to have a big crack with you lot and get on with it and have a chat and make me feel even better going into a new week. I kind of missed it a bit last week, actually. Um, obviously, people will know and people who listen to this will know I wasn't in the right headspace for it. I felt dead dramatic saying that, but I just wasn't. Um, and the nil-nil draw doesn't really do anything to improve that side of wanting to do it, but a 2-0 win kind of does. But um, if anyone noticed, I'm speaking quite slowly, but I've got a bit of a sore throat. I've just took the piss out of Dave having the run, and I, <laughs> I'm testing negative at the minute, but I'll keep you updated, right? Um, but like I said, the, well, I'll come to you first, um, Brad. It was an ugly win. I mean, crikey, it was disgustingly ugly. Um, really similar to Fleetwood in, in many ways. But, but how much, I know you've kind of touched on this already, but how much do performances matter in comparison to results at this point in the season? It's a funny one because if we were playing against sides who were in the top 10, the performances would matter because there's ain't a hope in hell where they came out with wins. But I said when I went on uh, the radio and spoke to Gary Bennett straight after, and I said it's actually quite refreshing now compared to earlier in the season. We were seeing every other team doing it and we're starting to do it. Whereas we're grinding results out and we're going to the end. And the last two, two games in particular were scored... Uh, two goals in the both games in the last five or six minutes of the game. So it's actually quite an, an, a nice thing. Uh, whereas before, if you looked earlier in the season, if we, if it wasn't going our way, you didn't really fancy us scoring late on, did you? No. Or coming from behind. So it's nice actually to go into the end. And it's uh, one of my favorite, one of one of the best things I think from the last couple of games that I've, I'm quite happy with 
is Alex Neal isn't afraid to make changes. He made the double change at halftime on a tweak of the system against Fleetwood. It worked. He's made early changes um, rather than the last 10 minutes, which we were getting under Johnson. And he's making these changes and the changes seem to be working. Um, both, both the subs came on uh, like, and, and got the goals. And we, we raved about him earlier in the season. And he, he said it himself on his uh, post-match interview that he had had a dip in form. And it's nice when he's came on yesterday have, after having that little reset in himself, Dan Neal. When he came on, we just looked to go forward rather than backwards and sideways or playing the long ball. He was he was doing them, turning his man and trying to thread the ball through. And like, like I said, not a lot of the times they come off. But if 75% of them do, it's better than watching 100% pass completion rate around the back four, which we became accustomed to recently. So it, it was nice. It, it, do the performances matter? Yes, because one of these days you ain't going to get as lucky. But end of the day, it's it's, it's the three points, and long may the three points continue. It's a big part of me where, um, like, I was kind of like when when the Daniel scored the goal, I have to make an admission that I just sat in my seat. I did celebrate, but I was kind of like, oh, thank God for that, you useless buggers. Like, and that sometimes that emotion does take over you. Obviously, I celebrated the second one, um, but I feel like. I was kind of annoyed coming out and like, oh, it was another crap performance. But then I was like, oh, you know, three points. And then getting the train back at Glasgow, I was like, three points, three points. But I, I've never once watched Wigan this season, apart from the three times that we've played them. And yet, for some reason, they could going, oh, bro, Wigan, Blake goals, digging it out. And I think automatic's long gone, don't get me wrong. But digging wins out late on, it's not nice for other teams to see. They don't really give a shit how you play. We don't sit and watch. 90 minutes of Wigan, but how many times yeah. a season have we gone, oh, I've scored again. I've done it again yeah. when it was the automatics looked a bit more realistic. So I think ultimately we've you know, done that twice. We've found a way to win, haven't we? Like when you said there you didn't celebrate, I don't think there was a big celebration like has would have been in previous games. I think the best way to sum it up is when we scored the first and then the second especially, it was just a sigh of relief. Yeah. I think it was like, thank God for that because... Watching that first 80 minutes, mate, I was sat thinking, like, I was just sat on my phone and it, it was just, there was no atmosphere again. And I know that it's up to the fans to create an atmosphere, but the players have to give us something to get behind. And recently they haven't been. Now, I've seen, I've seen fans come here and say, this is a library and stuff like that. But we haven't had a lot of shout about lately. No, not really. We're missing, a, we're missing a game at home where we get an early goal and lift us. We had it against Wigan away and the atmosphere was unbelievable. It's an away day. It's going to be good anyway. But if we get an early goal in one of these next home games, I think we've got Lincoln away then a couple of other home games. Get an early goal, that atmosphere will lift and we might play better rather than having this little bit of anxiety. So I I, like, I, I didn't celebrate much, but I was like, uh, thank God. sigh of relief. Like, oh, thank fuck for that. Yeah. And the second goal, the Ben was going crazy as well. So I was lifting him up and I'm enjoying it for him. But in my head, I was like, thank God that we've just done that. Because if, if we if we came away and only got a point there, mate, I think we might be now thinking we can kiss the playoffs goodbye. Aye. I mean, that's the thing. I look at the table and I'm thinking, oh, well, there's six points. And I'm still like thinking, God, the team's blows when the game's in hand throughout the playoffs. But how many times have we said in the past games in hand have to be won? I said that about Wigan earlier in the season and bloody did. So hopefully that's doesn't history doesn't repeat itself for that. But but Dave, I'll come on to you with the next one. Same sort of question, really. Um 
I don't think the performances have been great, especially not in the last two games. I think for 81 minutes of both of them, it was probably the most dire, not the most dire I felt. I felt worse, but just bored. Um, but then the last nine minutes against Fleetwood were great. I thought we, I thought all nine coming back in really made a difference in that game. And I thought, you know, to be fair, the lads that they kept going on, on Saturday and they didn't really give up. And obviously we've touched on the changes a bit, but, but ultimately I feel a lot better on this Sunday than I did last Sunday. We played much better against Charlton. Drew nil-nil, played pretty poor against Crew. Um, if, you know, we never really looked like losing it in many ways. The, the, the performances matter really as it results. At this stage of the season, it's it's all about results, which is like very hypocritical of me because when Parkinson was here, yeah. I told everyone that there had to be some form of performance in order for the results to keep going the right way. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it is literally all about results because, like yeah, like you and Brad have both a day through there, uh, dropping two points yesterday would have been ugly. Like the the result would have been ugly. The performance would have been ugly and probably our season would have finished very ugly as well. So uh, you've got to give Alex Neely's credit. He shored up the back a little bit. It looks a little bit more solid. Looks a little bit like we're going to, like we're a little bit less flaky. And I kind of understood what he tried to do yesterday. He knew the crew were going to play with 4,877 men behind the ball. So, yeah, I understand why he played Matete and 9 He was looking for the energy. He was looking for pressing the ball higher up the pitch. And he got it to an extent. There was a couple of occasions where they won the ball a little bit higher. The only problem is they're not necessarily the best technically in terms of creativity. Um, you know, they'll give their all. They run. They're very energetic. They're good at playing that five-yard ball to someone who is creative. And uh, Dan Neil later on in the game. Problem is, when you're playing the ball five yards to someone like Evans or... Yeah, or <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, thought I, might, I thought I might start Brad off. That was just an amazing sign at Evans. <laughs> I don't want to... I, I, I mean, now, now we're on it, right? I, I, I wrote down Corey Evans and I'm kind of like, do I want to avoid it? Do I want to get this negative? I'm just going to put it out really, really fast and I don't want to concentrate on it too much because it's ultimately positive. But I've never... I hate digging players out for personality traits because I don't bloody know them. But the way that Evans plays just comes across a bit cowardly. Like, and he's meant to be the captain and, and, and Matete makes more mistakes than Evans does in a game. But that's because Evans so safe. And I just don't... Oh, I don't know... I, I, I'm just, I kind of get on board with Evans like at all. That That is a big negative for me at the minute. Yeah, he's... Yeah, I, I said the only way he'd be a captain for me is if he was captain of a hide-and-seek team. <laughs> he should never find the fucker. Honestly, right, I, I, I just, I don't understand what he brings. Like, I, I want someone to tell me, and when you've posted this, put in the Twitter comments, please. Tell us what Corey Evans brings to the team that someone else couldn't do and then do more on top of. Because, I, like you say, I hate digging out our own players, in a, especially after a win. But, my God, I, 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 I hope he's not here next season. I've, I've just got to put out there for equal everyone. I'm sure I mentioned it the other week. 
the first six games of his career, he was actually very, 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 very good. Like, if you look back on them six games and you get the footage, he was actually impressive, you know. Uh, maybe, he's, maybe he's not his distribution, maybe he's not his passing, but in terms of putting his foot in and actually getting us up high of the pitch, he was all right. So I'm not quite sure what's happened to him since. But, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, woeful is probably the best way to describe him, I think, especially yesterday he was minging, man. It's, it's almost like, yeah, like, like Brad said, he's just a bit... Um, and again, I don't want to concentrate too much on this because a lot of positives, and I know people will be like, bloody hell, negative straight away. Um, <laughs> but, you, you know, you have to, in the context of each game and in the context of the season at this point, you do have to look at certain players and ask if they're progressing us. And yeah, the captain's a big part of that squad. And if I'm honest with you, I couldn't tell the difference between him, Jack Rodwell and Josh Gowan. Like they're all much of a, and that's probably harsh on Josh Gowan. Sorry, Josh, mate, you're probably better than that. Um, but it's just that kind of, I mean, I can stand in the middle and pass it sideways. Like I've seen people saying Matei give the ball away a lot. Yes, he, he did. And he, I think in the past two games, he's been quality wise, not the best, but he's like, he's a 20 year old kid, just turned 20. That's like taking responsibility and trying to drive forward. Um, and, and I, I can't get annoyed about that circling as well. I find the same. But oh, anyway, negatives. Too many negatives here. Jesus. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of Corey Evans. Not a huge fan of circling either for similar reasons. But um, one of them's in his 30s. One of them's a young kid. I can forgive the other one. Um, Dan Neal, on the other hand, uh, is a very nice footballer. I'm a big fan. I like him a lot. Um, Brad, he, he's been out a few weeks and he needed to be rested. He's admitted he needed to be rested, as you said before. I think he's burnt out. I think the same with Doyle. I think when he came on yesterday, he looked like the Daniel we've seen at the start of the season. Time to put him back in, or, or would you would you still persist a little bit with bringing him off the bench to change games later on until you know so we can get legs in him and, and, and hopefully a promotion, eh, not promotion, but a playoff push. Bring him straight back in, take Evans out straight away. <laughs> <laughs> That's mine. Um, I, like when he made when he made the change yesterday, and it was all nine went off. I was like, all nine could have sat in and done what Evans is meant to be doing. So that would have been my only difference. I mean, I'm not going to criticise Neil's changes because they worked, but that would have been something I just couldn't understand because all nine was brilliant. Um, Dan Neil, for me, he's, I think he's he's done enough in that twenty minutes yesterday to warrant a start at the weekend. Because um, Lincoln are going to be, I mean, it's an away game, and you, we got beat off. From 3-0 they're going to be more on our faces than crew were uh, especially with uh, little Chrissy mm-hmm. playing for them um, and I think we need more f- better footballers to get us up the park quicker rather than Evans to apparently break up play we need someone like Dan Neal to get his foot on the ball drive us forward and I think he's had that what was it now he's maybe he's missed three or four games He's maybe he's made like a 15-minute appearance, I think. Did he come on at Wigan or the week before? So he's had a three or four-game break. And it wasn't the physical side he needed a break from. I think it was mentally he was drained. And if you listen to his interview yesterday, he's acknowledged that. And he's ready to come back in. And if it works for Dan Neal, we just hope as well that Doyle's at the same stage now, that he might... It'd be ready to come back in for you, sir. If we, if if we play in this back three, and you say Sirk, and he, he's he's only a kid and he's starting to look burnt out. These lads who have had to give a break to, we can start to bring them back in, and Doyle can go and play left centre half. But for me, Dan Neal's got to start the next game. 
I think if you have all the midfielders on the, the best ability, he's our best midfielder, isn't he, by far. Um, I think I would bring him back in as well. Um, I, I, I quite like 0-9 in the 10. I know I've criticised him playing in midfield and that before, but I don't I don't think he's a sitter. I think he can do it. I think he can do everything. He can play in goal, can he, 9 But I do quite like him in that 10, um, maybe behind the front two, maybe even just behind Roscoe by himself. But they were, His pressing was brilliant yesterday. Oh, it was great. And he'll always give you that. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I know... Oh nine, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but he is mine. Um, oh, he's mine. I, I really like him, and, and he had that dip in form during the season. But I think uh, the four month or whatever he was out, I just totally realised what he brings, and I, I, I'm just a big fan of Oh nine. I'm very biased, maybe because he proposed to my missus for his via video, which was nice. Um, considering he said yes as well, but I liked him before that. I, I've always been a fan. Um, I really like Oh nine. I think he brings an awful lot of the squad, and I think we're a much better side with him. With him in, um, be that right back, left back, or, or in the number ten, maybe not sitting. I don't. I'm not a big fan of him sitting, but um, again, were, just 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 for equilibrium, I think he's absolutely shite, but he smiles a lot, so he's a nice left. Are you not a fan? Are you? you don't like him? <laughs> he's, don't get me wrong. He's 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 fine. He, they, there's nothing wrong with him. There's nothing wrong with him at all. But he's uh, he he doesn't inspire. Let's put it this way: we ever get, we ever get to the championship, and I'm not sure we ever do. He's nowhere near that starting eleven. I promise you that for now. Dave, I think you're a dick, but <laughs> you're not the first person to say that. Bit, so I wouldn't worry. Oh man, I think your beard's shit. Yeah, hate everything about you, Dave. Get off, get off my channel now. Um, I saw a few people, Dave, getting sort of slightly concerned at the performances of Alex Neil, which is mad, really, that we're discussing the manager that's been in charge five minutes, but like, you know, that's modern day football. It's what it is. You, you've got to have an opinion on the performances on the pitch, whether the manager's been in this hot seat five minutes or five years, you, you're going to have opinions. It's the way it is. And I saw a few people concerned at his performances, other looking at his press conferences, the way he speaks, his honesty, because I think he absolutely nails it every time. Big boy pants, still one of my favourite things he's ever done um, and will ever do. He, he substitutes though, and, you know, plenty of praise there. It's come in equal measure. Um Probably too soon to judge, but how do you feel about your start at Sunderland? Yeah, mate. Listen, he—I think it was after his first ever press conference. Um, I, I kind of sat up and went, "Oh, oh, he, he's actually mm. got a point there. I like that." And then I actually really, really liked the fact that we won three-one, and he basically came out and said we were absolutely shite. I've got time for that because oh, we we were we were terrible. So the, you know. The fact that he's noticing these things, which you know, we're quite an educated bunch, really. As as a salmon trouser wearing man once said, we should just stick to the football and not the business side of things, <laughs> because we uh, we normally know what's going on with the football side of things. And hey, listen, you know, we said a couple of years ago we needed more pace. We get more pace. We look more dangerous on the wings. We said yesterday from watching it from either at the game or or um, through another form. I mean, I was in France. No, I was in Belgium watching it yesterday. It was quite clever. Is that <laughs> where you got Corona from? Yes, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you bringing new variants <laughs> over here, Dave? <laughs> the the, min, the Minulay variant. <laughs> the Minulay <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, so, 
we all noticed we needed someone on who was going to play forward pass exactly like Brad said yesterday. If you can you can have all the possession in the world and stuff, but if you get nowhere near the opposition's goal, you're not going to score. It's as simple as that. Um, we noticed it. Alex Neil noticed it. Made us a difference. So um, yeah, quite nice to quite nice for someone to be proactive, you know. And I mean, let's be honest. There's a certain manager, probably about three foot three. Um, who just left us not so long ago, who would have brought, brought Bailey Wright on yesterday. If he was on the bench in nil-nil, he'd have brought Bailey Wright on. I mean, that's that's like literally through experience. That's not me being pedantic or horrible, horrible or anything like that. There is a time he'd have actually brought Bailey Wright on at nil-nil because, I don't know, crew had one shot in 90 minutes or something. So... Yeah. I think it's quite funny that you said that you thought Alex Neal had a point after a couple of seconds of listening to him. The opposite of that, the previous manager, Lee Johnson, would be after five minutes, you'd be like, what, what was his point again? <laughs> what was he on about? What what was the shark doing? What? Uh, so something to do with sharks on a Monday. Yeah, he's like exactly. he's, he's like if there was if there were two superheroes in the form of managers, Alex Neal would be like the like literally the nemesis of Lee Johnson's personality because it couldn't be more chalk and cheese. I've I've liked Alex Neal to start, and a lot of it does come from the press conference. Um, <laughs> a lot of it does come from the big boy comment that got me on board straight away. Big boy? Yeah, he's big boy pants even. So he's big boy comment. Sounds like a private conversation that me and Alex Neal had away from the camera, but um, it wasn't. But um, he's, he's football yesterday for 80 minutes was rank. Like it was like Parkinson plus, but at the same time, he did enough to change it. And I think we've touched on Dan Neal and how impressive he was when he came on and, and we'll come on to another player that I thought made a real difference as well. But I just want to point out, because I don't think he gets enough credit, Ross Stewart. <laughs> I mean, he does every week consistently because he's far and wide in my opinion, our best player. But I think a lot of people spoke about how the way Daniel picked it up and brought it forward and the way that he he took the shot and and the difference he made by the fact he was just a bit more adventurous with the ball and because he's better on the ball than a lot of the midfielders we have normally. But I was so impressed by the way that Roscoe took four people out. Like there was literally four defenders he took out because they were all shiting themselves that Ross Stewart was going to do something. He just dragged four people out of it. And I think Ross Stewart's role in that goal, I'm sure there'll be other people that's noticed it, but I think really got to take on board what he did with that. He literally dragged four defenders out after being dragged about by all four defenders for 90 minutes. Pulled them all out and just give Dan, Dan Neal and the lad who, I, can't, I think it was maybe Patrick Roberts, was next to Dan Neal when he hit the shot. Either of them could have walloped at one. Oh, Diaku was going to tackle Dan Neal. Oh, was it Diaku? Oh, well. Uh, I, an, I know you're not a fan here, Brad, right? But I thought, and I like Diaku, right? I really like him. I thought he made a difference yesterday. And I know he's not frightened about being wrong. I thought he did all right yesterday. Come on, admit it. Done better than Gooch. <laughs> I said be nice. Um, <laughs> um, interesting yesterday. He was direct, wasn't he? And he gave us something a bit different. Yeah. To have and where, like I said, I have to compare it with Gooch because that's obviously, it was a like for like. Gooch just sort of runs, cuts back, stops, runs, cuts back, stops, loses it. Where Diaku, he gets at his man 50% of the time, he loses it, gets pushed off. But other times he was putting decent balls in. Um, he was, he was, he, let's say he's an exciting 
player to watch because not only do we not know what he's going to do, I don't think 90% of the time he knows what he's going to do. So how the fuck are you meant to defend that? Because their players certainly don't know what he's going to do. So it, it does get you a little bit up and excited. But the other two players that came on for me, take out the fact that they scored goals as well, Roberts and Danny, they came on and put in, especially Roberts put in the performance, what we have expected them to do. Um, I'm just waffling here because he was too kitchen in there. <laughs> it's the worst kind of in-joke that no one can see because we just keep changing our names on, on Zoom. But yeah, man, I've had a hard two weeks. If you don't like this bit of content, you can turn off now. Please keep listening, please. Um, I, I mean, you, you brought on the pack of Roberts. You, you kind of had to do a bit yesterday. Um, I went mental at him on Tuesday night when he did those keep you up and then give away two yard pass. And I was like, I'll openly admit, I was like, that's it. Nah, I'm done. Had enough. I've seen him for two minutes. I've had enough. That's that. I'm I'm sick of it. And then when he came on yesterday, I was like, aha, that was the Patrick Rubs I thought we were getting. Um, I think alongside Daniel and alongside Diaco, I think he made a huge difference. Probably the most difference out of all of them, if I'm completely honest with you. Um, I'll come to you with this one, Dave. Um, we all hoped Patrick Roberts would be kind of what we saw yesterday. Uh, obviously, we need to see more of it, but it looks like he's got his fitness up a bit. And if he can make an impact like that towards the end of the season, it's going to be massive, isn't he? And, and he's playing for a contract. Yeah, definitely. Let's be honest. He's There's a good enough player there to be playing for Sunderland. I've no doubt of that. Um, he's any. He had a little bit of a hunger to him yesterday. I've I've noticed that he definitely is playing for a contract. There's definitely something there with him. Um, and to be honest, he he is the type of player that I can imagine playing in the championship for us. He's good enough to be doing it. Have a point to prove. Um, so yeah, I'm really really excited by him. If he can get some big minutes under his belt, I'm not quite sure whether he's gonna start many games, um, which I'm sure he'll hate to hear, but he's certainly definitely someone who can bring an impact from the bench, and it's been a while since we uh, since we had players like that, so yeah, I, I also thought just to go back to Jack a little bit I, I thought he was a bit of an improvement on what I've seen from recently, because I've never been completely sold on him either, to be honest um, so yeah, it's all about that momentum, isn't it? It's Let's get the results going in the right way. Let's make sure we get in them playoffs. Let's solidify that. And then on top of that, let's start just building up a bit of form, building up a bit of fitness. You know, um, Defoe yesterday was probably a little bit anonymous, unfortunately. Um, but, that, sorry, go on. Sorry. Man. Yeah, just on that, that's not his fault. No. I was with a guy in the ground. So. And, oh, shit, Defoe, he's past it. And I said, you tell me at any team, at any point in Jermaine Defoe's career, just one, just one example where shelling 80-yard balls into head has been part of how he scores goals. You tell me one instance, and then if you if, if you can, I'll say, oh, well, I'm wrong. But it, I mean, one. Yeah, I mean, it's like, do you know what I really wish? There was a moment yesterday, I'm dying to see him score, because I'm, I'm of the same belief, I thought, there's not much JD can do when you're launching 80 yard diags from Bailey Wright's foot, like at his direct at his head. Like he's, he's 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 a wee man at the end of the day, isn't he? Like I love him and he is God, but he is small. He's not made to kind of like and, and he tries his best, but he's getting dragged all over. But I think um there was a time in the first half when it like I'm so sad it didn't happen. 
the ball like got headed out and it was just about to land on his foot for a volley yeah. at the same sort of level that the yeah. the the default volley happened and I was like <gasps> and then this crew defender just got like a little nick on it and took it off his foot and I was like you absolute bastard but I I, I was gonna bring on the def- I was gonna come on to default um I'll stick with you on this one Dave and then obviously come to Brad as well because I I think Jermaine Defoe will have an impact, a part to play. I've said that since he's come. Hey, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Um, but I'm not going to back against Jermaine Defoe at any point. The reason for that is evidence of his career. Yes, he's not the 33-year-old Defoe that we had in the Premier League. I don't think anyone expected that. Um, but I think play the ball on his feet a little bit more. He's gone, He sniffs chances out. You can still see him talking players to games. And that's important and stuff. But you can still see there's something there for me. Um, but I think it's a bit unfair that people think Defoe, after what, four or five games and some a lot of them substitute appearances, isn't the right kind of signing. Um, or was the one of the worst, someone was saying it was one of the worst signings we've ever made. I, th- I think the fact that we're pinging 80 odd balls at his head doesn't really help. You agree, Dave? Yeah, I, I'll tell you what, it'd be really interesting. And I've no idea what this is, but there could be someone out there. There could be a, a good old statue out there. I wonder how many chances we've created from through balls during the course of the season. Because it's obviously not our style of play, I don't think, at all. Um, I'm not really sure where them through balls have come from, really. Maybe Zidane Neil could pick out one of those. McGeady, when he's fit and alive. Um, but yeah, realistically, we tend, to, we tend to come down the sides a little bit. And even then... I can't really think of too many instances over the course of the season of like getting down the sides and maybe it's a flat or a whipped cross normally hung up in the air for for the Loch Ness Drogba, which has obviously served us well to a degree. Um, so, yeah, it, it will take a slight change. There was little glimpses yesterday, which a certain era of Sunderland final love, but there was the, there was the odd glimpse of uh, Quinn and Phillips type uh, knocking on and stuff and, and holding up the ball and stuff. It, it, it'll it take time. And again, what I was, what was going to allude to was the fact that with Defoe, even though he maybe didn't make much of an impact yesterday, the simple fact of the matter is he got, what was it, about 70 minutes under his belt, 65 minutes under his belt. That's going to do him no harm whatsoever. And it will stand us in good stead. Listen, keep get him fit, get him match fit. Keep him fit going into the playoffs. I'd rather he was in my dressing room than the opposition's dressing room, that's for sure. I think you, I don't want to say come good because I feel like he is still good, but um, yeah, I we'll, we'll, we'll start playing to his strengths, is what you're talking to. Yeah, I just think you know, eventually, like he's gonna score goals. Like, I, I know a lot of people say, What's the evidence and stuff, but I, I get that in the games, he has been a bit quiet, but. I just feel like in the games he's played, the way we've played has been crap. And we took him off and we brought on the likes of Daniel and Patrick Roberts. And you think, you know what it is. Um, maybe if they were on the pitch, it would be different. But I remember that, so it's better by the by. Um, but obviously, as always, I'm not going to do a definite interlude. I'll just do an, an elevator interlude, I think. Um, I found some nice elevator music whilst I had my weekend off last week. But I um, hope you've enjoyed the first half. We'll be back for the second half. It looks like our guest is not turning up, unfortunately, but you never know. Stranger things have happened. See you after the break.
Hello and welcome back to the crew review part two. <laughs> Words off the tongue. Um, hopefully you enjoyed the first half. Um, I felt we were a bit more whingy than anything else. I don't know why, but it is what it is. That's the life of a football fan. Um, Dave, Brad, how did you enjoy your, your five minutes spell away from the, the show? Do anything nice? Nah, watch me horse finish second. Oh, that's a mare. On to the subject of Sunderland, um, Brad, I'm going to come to you. We've talked about a few players there. We talked about Defoe in the first half. We talked about the impact of Daniel, Ross Stewart's um, impact in the first goal. We haven't really touched on someone who actually probably took the headlines, um, Patrick Roberts. He really did make a big impact on Saturday, and I think arguably he helped us turn the game. I think it's the first time we've seen him produce what we thought he was capable of, um, and he produced it really well. I thought his goal was lovely. Uh, I think it was a right onto the left foot, which is great. Spun a few players a couple of times, looked really good. Is that the the Patrick Roberts you think that um, we might get to the end of the season? I would like to think so, mate. Um, it's the one that, as much as I, I didn't like them, that I'd seen when I, they were, he was playing at Celtic, and I was thinking, oh, I wish he was playing for us. Mm-hmm. Um, he has got it in him. And Alex Neil knows, we all know he's came in, probably played about three or four games all season. So he ain't going to be match fit. We know that. Um, but he's, he's, he's starting to get more and more minutes. Now he's got his goal. It could be the start of us seeing Patrick Roberts, the one that we're, we're dying for at the right time now for these last eight games. Is he ready for a start? Time will tell. But if he comes on and makes impacts like he does, maybe he's given half an hour at the weekend um, and go from there. Yeah, I, I was yeah. impressed by him. I was really impressed by him. I thought he played really well. Um, totally made me eat my words. On Tuesday, I just my rag when he to, to keep you up. But I think that was a kind of... Do you know when you just get angry at a match? Um, I think that was just one of those moments. But David, I'll tell you one big thing that I think I've sort of started realising quite a bit and, and maybe it's because of the run of form that we were in when Alex Neal first came in and that led to Johnson sacking mixed with the fact that Roberts, Defoe, Matete all probably took the headlines from the, the window in terms of Danny Bath as well and Jack Clark kind of came and everyone went, all right, fair enough, cool. I, I think Jack Clark's become one of our most important players at the minute. Um, how much of a role do you think he can play? Yeah, definitely. I like I like what he brings to the party. To be fair, he's uh, he's quite direct. He's quite tricky. Um, yeah, quite quite adept at going on both feet as well. So, yeah, I've got a lot of time for him. Um, it's nice that Alex Neal's trust him a little bit and give him a couple of starts recently because uh, I'm I'm sure he was probably becoming a little bit disillusioned because every time he came off the bench, he seemed to make a positive impact. I'm sure he's. Listen, that's why he's playing League One football. He's, his final delivery isn't always perfect and stuff like that, but he does look as though something's going to happen every time he's on. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've got quite a lot of time for Jack Clark, to be honest. Just, listen, on paper, and you don't win anything on paper, but on paper, the attack and talent that we've got, bloody hell, we should be scoring for fun, really, shouldn't we? Um, yeah. So, yeah, fingers crossed we can get it working, really. Yeah, I've been really impressed. He's got knee left foot, like, but um, I just I quite like the fact that even with that, you can see defenders are they don't like facing him, especially at this level. And I think 
gradually, the more the games have gone on, the more I've been like, actually, he's a proper weapon to have. Um, and I've been really impressed by him. Another player that we've probably discussed not that often, but he's gradually became first choice, uh, Brad. There's conversations at the start of the season, is, is Hoffman any better than Patterson? Is Patterson any better than Burge? Is any of them any better than anyone else? Another clean sheet for Patterson. I think he made a couple of good saves. I think he made a couple of good saves on Tuesday. I think he's grown in confidence. For me, it's his shirt to lose at the minute. How are you impressed? Have you how impressed or not impressed have you been by Anthony Patterson? Definitely. Um <clears throat> and three sheet, three clean sheets out the last four games tells you you can't be dropping him. And one thing we've always said about Patterson is he's a good shot stopper. We know that. Uh, from seeing him in the 23s and the, the few games he started at the start of the season. But we always said he just seems a bit scared. But yeah. the more the when he had, even that little month he had away at, uh, on loan, and then he's come back, that's done the world of good. Being the number one at them for that month. Then he's got the shirt here, and he's sort of, the more he's got more confident, he's probably the best goalkeeper we've got now. I think so. Um, I don't mind his distribution as well. I think his distribution's quite good. He tends to pick out more often than not our players, whereas 50% of the time Hoffman was picking out one of us in the crowd. Um, or it was just like little short passes. I, I'm, I'm glad we've sort of moved away from always playing them short passes. We are capable of knocking it long when we need to. Um, so, yeah, for me, it is Patterson's to lose. Yeah. And I can't see him losing it, to be honest. There's, there's no reason for him. I don't. Do you know, do you know one of the, the biggest compliments I can give him? I've not noticed any problems with the goalkeeping. Like, to the point where kind of it only dawned on me that Patterson's played about the past six or seven games or something. That's It's only recently dawned on me that he's played so many games off the trot. And I'm like, oh, I crap. And normally, if like a young keeper who's only played four or five games for you comes in, it's something you focus on. But he's been... There's something I really like about goalkeepers, and this is because I grew up in an era between the transition of Lionel Perez and Thomas Sorensen, a goalkeeper that can just collect across. Because Lionel Perez was a he was a vampire, he was scared of crosses. Thomas Sorensen would collect them. And I think the way Patterson comes and gets them, there was a couple of times like when it was still nil-nil, he'd stick like a crew would stick like a long hopeful ball in and pat the box a bit. And he'd just come and collect it and he had two hands and he'd land on it. And for me, at this level, oh, that's all you need. Jo all John McLaughlin ever was was a safe goalkeeper. Do you know what I liked about it? I liked about him towards the end as well. His utter shithousing. Superb. They were wasting so much time to the point we even got an indirect free kick, which I thought the referee was shit. But by the way, credit to him. He said, right, you ain't wasting time anymore. And you know what I mean? But then the last four or five minutes, Patterson was collecting the ball or just something rolling into him and he'd just dive and lie on top of it. And I thought that is brilliant shithousery. And that comes with him being confident, having a little bit of, shall we say, a swagger about him. Um, would Patterson have done that earlier in the season? No, not a chance. But if there's one player through this bad spell who has been consistent, I would say, in being able to keep his head high, would be Anthony Patterson. And like you say, goalkeepers are very similar to referees. If you don't notice them, they're doing well. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the biggest compliment I can give him is that I almost didn't notice him. I thought he was, he's just sturdy. Uh, just kind of does the job. And I would rather us give a chance to someone who's, what, 2021, 20, like Patterson, who's came through the academy, than maybe give a contract to Hoffman. And that's a bit harsh on Hoffman because I don't mind them too much. But I just think Patterson's probably out of the three of them three keepers we've got being the one that shouldn't be the best um, in my opinion people might disagree with me on that but that's just that's just my thoughts um, Dave Brad touched on something there uh, the ref was honking yesterday but I've never in my life seen since like 1997 I think it was the indirect free kick given I think he gave it because the guy held him at the ball too long is that right it was is it because I thought the six second rule had stopped but apparently the six-second rule is still going, or is it now an eight-second rule? I don't know why I give the indirect for a kick. I don't know the rules of the game, obviously. But um, fair play to him for being good in that instance, I think. Yeah. De- well, yeah, definitely, mate. It, it was... Well, it's going to stamp it out, isn't it? Whether it's the rules or not, whatever it is, it's going to stamp it out, or it should stamp it out. So fair play to him for it. Sick of people mocking us, really, with stupid delaying tactics and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, yeah, it was nice to. I mean, we absolutely wasted it, by the way. Nothing, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, nothing fun about that. What, uh, nothing fun about it whatsoever. But, um, yeah, it was listen. We've all got to deal with a crap referee and week in, week out, don't we? It never gets any better at this level. And to be fair, they had VAR in the Liverpool game yesterday and I'm not sure they got many decisions right in that either. So, yeah, I just think it's a pretty much across the board. It's all pretty terrible. Um, but, yeah, nice to, nice to see the, the time waste being stamped out a little bit, I guess. Aside from that, he was absolutely fucking shy, wasn't he? The ref. <laughs> he was like... Honking. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely fine. Honking is the word that I would use. Brad, games coming up, big games. Um, a few people have mentioned Rotherham. That's not going to happen as far as I'm concerned. It'll be called off internationals. I'd be really surprised if that goes ahead. So I'm, I'm not really looking at the Rotherham game as a game. So your next two games are Lincoln away, Gillingham at home. Then you've got Oxford away and then Shrewsbury at home. Um, that leads us into... like. The last three games, one of them being Plymouth. So, arguably, Lincoln, Gillingham, Oxford, Shrewsbury. How many points do you think we need out of that to guarantee a playoff place? Twelve. I agree with you. <laughs> I think I agree with you. Yeah. Twelve. Um, if someone was to say to me, you can have ten now, considering Oxford's in there, but Oxford's not the one you're going to get one point off. Oxford's the one you're going to take three. I'd take that. Because I think if we beat Oxford, even if it'll be disappointing to drop a point against one of the shit teams, but it's so sudden to do that. Mm-hmm. I would take 10 points. Realistically, we should be looking to beat the, the who was it, Lincoln, Gillingham and Shrewsbury. Yeah. And get a point off Oxford. Be happy with that. Um, but to be fair to you, I've said it, I, I, there's something about Lincoln, and I, I, I know that they beat us this season. We had the playoff saga with them last year, but 
We beat them 4-0 as well last year. They have such a team against us, which you just don't know what you're going to get. I'm more worried about the Lincoln away game than I am for Oxford away. They've beat us a couple of times. I don't know, I know where we beat them last year, didn't we? When Johnson first came in. Out in the in the playoff. That's right. They beat us at home. And I just think, knowing us, I, I don't know what it is. I just, I just think, knowing Sunderland, like I do, I think we've got more of an opportunity. We're more likely to drop points against Lincoln than we are against Oxford. And that's just in my thinking. That, that's what I can see happening. That's why I'm saying, if we picked up 10 points and Lincoln's the one that we drop points against, I'd still take that, to be honest, because we took points against another team in the round us. Yeah, you know, I kind of agree with you on that. I think I'd snap your hands off for 10 points. What, what I don't want to go in to the last three, four games of the season, I don't want to be playing Plymouth and Rotherham knowing that. I know we're probably likely to need points, but I don't want it to be a like desperation time where it's three points means an out. And it is literally on the knife edge, I think, at the minute. Dave, are you agreeing with the same sort of sentiments as us? Lincoln, Gillingham, Shrewsbury, must-win games? Or, um, I mean, they are must-win games, don't get me wrong. What I mean is 12 points, or would you be happy with 10? Oh, listen, you, if you've got a four-game sequence and you've got 10 points out of 12, you'd be... You'd be foolish to to not accept it, I guess. Uh, well, you've got no choice but to fucking accept it, really, let's be honest. <laughs> but, yeah, it's... Listen, I'm I'm boring. You know what I'm like. I'm, I'm cliche. I'm so shit. And it's just like, next game, next game, next game. And we're especially at that part of the season where it's just literally pick up three points, go again, pick up three points, go again. Listen, on any given time that we're, we're playing, it could go horribly wrong for us because if there's suddenly a five-point swing against us, we're looking really bad. If we suddenly pick up a draw and someone below us picks up a win on the same day and it's a five-point swing, it's absolutely ming. We're, like, we're really at that stage of the season now where we're not getting second chances. So it's just win, 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 win at all costs. And to be honest, the good sign, I guess, is we're winning ugly. And that's a good thing. You know, we we look like we can scrape results at the minute uh, without playing well. So fingers crossed it continues, really. Yeah, I, I, I think ultimately, like you say, just getting as many points as we possibly can. I think... We allegedly have the easiest run in because we've got like more teams in the bottom half. I think they'll play than other teams in the playoffs in and around it. But those teams in the bottom half are playing for points. I'd rather be playing teams in the middle of the league. I remember playing Plymouth last season. I remember we were on that awful run of form in Plymouth were because it was just like end of the season. They had nothing to play for. We need to get back on track. We were guaranteed a playoff spot and we, we won 3 1. Um, Obviously, didn't kickstart the season like, but I'd much rather be playing four mid-table teams than a couple of relegation teams and like one of the top teams. Which I think that's where Gillingham and I don't think Lincoln are safe at all yet. I mean, I don't, I don't think they'll go down, but I don't think they're hugely safe. Um, and then Gillingham are obviously fighting for their lives as well. They got a massive win yesterday against Doncaster, so there, there, there is always that sort of worry. But I think ultimately, we need to be looking and we need to be going in and hoping that we can get. 
the maximum points that we possibly can and hopefully that that's 12 or 10 right before we go um i've obviously always promised this for a while brad but archie who has just been going to games this season hasn't he we archie he's been enjoying it that the poor little bugger you've been putting them through it archie how old are you 10 10 right so you haven't had too much heartache yet but you started at the worst possible point as be a Sunderland fan but I want some predictions from you, Archie, right? Because I did promise that I'd get some predictions from you before we go, right? Because your dad, Dave, and me are terrible at predictions. So before we go, anyway, Archie, what do you think the score's going to be against Lincoln on Saturday? Uh, Essendon will win 2-1. 2-1. Very, very level-headed predicted um, result, that is. And what were your thoughts on the past couple of games? Because you've been to the Lincoln game. Eh, sorry, you've been to the Crew game. You've been to the Fleetwood game. You've been to a couple of away games. You went to Wigan, didn't you? Yeah, we were good at Wigan. What have you thought about the past two games, Fleetwood and Crew? Well, we were crap on both of them, but we still won somehow. <laughs> the best thing about that is, Archie, it's your first real season going to see something, isn't it? Or your second season. And you've nailed it within about four or five games. Well done, kid. <laughs> thanks for popping on, Archie. And Brad, Dave, all these, thanks for coming on. Um, see you next Saturday, maybe. Dave, thanks for coming on, mate. Archie, thanks for coming on. Bye, all. All the best, mate. Everybody, watch your back.